Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I am your host. And today is going to change your life. Okay, I'm just telling you, the guy that I have on, Andrew Locke, is going to rock your world. So make sure you, number one, share this out. Number two, stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back. Let me bring Mr. Andrew Locke on. Andrew, Hello. welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. How Good afternoon you? to you. Yeah, for me it is actually because I'm across the pond in England at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just saw you a month ago here. That's right. Yeah, I've been all over. Actually, throughout the pandemic, I've been uh, back and forth across the pond and um, um, because I have sort of a unique situation of being a dual citizen and um bizarrely actually throughout that time there's only ever been like five or six of us on these planes so it's been amazing wow. there's been more flight attendants than there have been passengers <laughs> <laughs> really five or yeah. six that's mm -hmm. it yeah wow i yeah. didn't did you tell me did i know that that you're a dual uh, citizen i as of uh well i've been in the states for uh, let's see, 17 years now. I became a citizen about five years ago. Uh, so I retain the British um, passport as well, which is handy. So for traveling both ways, it makes it actually very, very easy. That's pretty cool. So you you live in um, Los Angeles, is that right? Uh, well, uh, Vegas. Uh, I have lived in um LA in the past, but uh, mm -hmm. I escaped the traffic. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I like Vegas. It's very convenient for the airport. Oh, Vegas. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, we lived in Vegas. So, oh. yeah, we lived out there for about a year. But yeah. um, so, so, you know, I started this show about, it's been almost exactly three years ago. And wow. Jen Gittimer was my very first guest. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I started this to help people have a breakthrough in mm. life and in their business. Um, and you, man, I can't wait to get into some <laughs> of this, but let's, let's start, if you would just real quick, talk about where you were born and raised and what mm. it was like growing up. And yeah, it sounds like maybe South Texas. Yeah, very close. <laughs> so, um, I was born at an early age and, uh. <laughs> I was uh, grew up in a little town in Surrey. For if you, those of you that know England, in the just about an hour outside London, and uh, I was always sort of entrepreneurial at school. Um, but one day I remember very vividly. I got. I was I guess I was about fifteen or so, and um, I was called into the headmaster's or principal's office, quick translation there. And um, I was I was so nervous. I was like, oh, my goodness, what have I done? You know, I was really kind of petrified. And he, he said, take a seat over there. And he said, do you know why I've called you into my office? And I said, no, I have no idea. He said, well, um, the 
a lot of your teachers have talked to me and we've decided to award you as the top student in the school for business um, related studies. Wow. So, At 15. Yeah. So he's he said all your teachers just keep talking about how entrepreneurial you are. And um, uh, so wow. I was I was really kind of taken aback. But uh, at the same time, it was kind of a good confirmation to me that, oh, maybe I am onto something and, you know, I should listen um, to what they're saying. And uh, so actually, I I never went to college or university and I, I don't have any regrets about that because I still very much was a student even after I left school. I've been a lifelong student, so I spent many, many hours down the library and so on. And then of course, you know, with the internet. Um, so I never stopped learning, but I I knew that I wanted to do my own thing rather than uh, work for, for someone else, you know? Did you ever, did you, well, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Did you ever have a job working for someone? Yeah, I did. I, I had um, a, a job that very quickly uh, proved that I was not a good employee. <laughs> I, I I remember it well because the boss, uh, after a month or two, the boss uh, called me into his office on a Friday afternoon. And he said, uh, Andrew, um, are you aware that on uh, Monday this week you arrived at 9.15, um, like the starting time was 9 o'clock. On Tuesday you arrived at 9.04. On Wednesday you arrived at, and he went through the whole week like this and, you know, the, the exact yeah. time that I had arrived late. And I said to him, yes, I am aware of that. And are you aware that uh, on Monday I left at 7 p.m.? On Tuesday I left at 6.45 and I went through like this. And, and every day I stayed like at least an hour beyond the scheduled time. And yeah. he said, well, yeah, I accept that, but the starting time is this. And I I was just, I thought this is <laughs> like, we're in the twilight zone here because, you know, you obviously have no concept of the principle, <laughs> which is I'm giving you more value than you're paying me for, right? <laughs> right. And so I just, I just did not have any toleration for, um, for that. And, you know, not only that, but I saw all the things that they were doing wrong in the business. And it was just incredibly frustrating. And so I, I just realized I am not a good employee. You know, I'm much better at managing my own destiny. And of course, the, so that that's what I did. Hey, there's Don Shin. You remember Don, don't you? Hey, Don. Yeah. So, so, um, so I, 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 there's so many things I want to talk about, but first, first I, I have to, I have to bring this up. I got your book. Ah, great. And 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 I couldn't stop reading it. Like I, well, it is so good. And I want to I want to bring thing. something up. And and you say in the very beginning, you say that in in school you were bullied a lot. Yeah. And and then you've said you kind of fast forwarded to sitting in a doctor's office for a doctor's yeah. appointment as a child. Yeah and that you picked up a Reader's Digest, and and then you ended up stealing the Reader's Digest. <laughs> we yeah, even, there uh, was an article, um, so I was, at, I was a school-aged, you know, British school-age 
Uh, I mean, I'm still British, but yeah. you know, at school, and uh, uh, the article was all about Walt Disney, and of yeah. course, I knew who he was, but I didn't really know his story, and it just captured my attention. And there were so many things that I resonated that were written about him and his early life and his struggles, because people don't really, most people don't know his story. And um, I was just so fascinated that I, I tucked it in my pocket and I stayed up late that night reading it in bed. And yeah. from that day onwards, I was absolutely fascinated by Walt Disney. I felt like a real connection to him. How, how old were you? At that oh, about 14, you, 14, 15 at that time, yeah. Uh, okay, when you read the Reader's Digest, yeah. Okay, so so I, I was curious when I read that. I was like, I wonder how old he was when he decided mm. he want he was became obsessed with this article, um, because you said you read about half of it, got called in by the doctor, and then and decided ah, I got to read the exactly. rest of this article. Exactly. What the yeah. heck? Yeah, so. Exactly. So, uh, which is, is really, really, and you make so many freaking, I'm only in the like fourth or fifth chapter and I'm like, I, I can't wait for this interview to be done. So uh, I get back to that. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it, You're like, I'm I don't delighted. know how to take that. Good or bad. I'm delighted. No, I'm delighted that it's been so well received. Um, it, in fact, good. just, just uh, last night, completely out of the blue, um, I got a, an email from um, a guy who, owns um the savannah bananas i don't know if you heard about him he's quite a character anyway wow. he sent me he sent me an email with a link to a video and he recorded a video where he said i picked up your book and you know i'm, I'm fascinated by walt disney and he owns this uh, baseball team and he said i just he was raving about it i loved it and you know i want to meet you and and so it's so that's what makes writing a book like this worthwhile because yeah. it's it's not about making money you know it's this this took you know this was such a labor of love it was a four-year project of research wow. and um but when you get those types of comments you know and, and like you said how it affected you that's what makes it worthwhile because uh that that's the purpose of the book is to help people well and being a business owner for most of my adult life uh, you know i i look at and in marketing i mean my wife and i own a marketing company and i look at this i i just thus far into the book just a little bit and 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 i'm like Oh my God, there are so many things I can apply mm -hmm. to, to my business. And, and one of the, one of the things that you talk about is the cost of acquisition for a, mm -hmm. a customer, right? Mm -hmm. And, and people don't think about this because I mean, you know, it's an old kind of almost cliche. It's, it's cheaper to keep a customer than it is to acquire a new one. Right. Yeah. yeah. But people don't really think about that. No, it drives me crazy because, um, the the fact is the vast majority of businesses operate or run their business with a complete disregard to existing customers they're so focused on customer acquisition at the front of the funnel they're so focused on lead generation whatever you want to call it yeah. you know all their advertising dollars are poured into that in acquiring a new customer and what tends to happen is they get that customer they sell them something and then that customer is basically ignored there's no follow up there's no you know checking to see whether the customer's happy or not and yeah. there's very rarely any type of communication 
uh, continued um, guidance or help uh, or interaction or value in terms of regular content. And uh, it's they're, they're missing out in such a big way because, as you say, it is so much easier to run a business when you look after your existing customers and continue to interact with them, continue to provide value, continue to make offers. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, people just don't, they don't get it. They don't see it that way. And, um, you know, if, if they switch their thinking, which is, you know, what I tried to help them do in the book, which, which came from Walt, you know, Walt was the first one who said that the whole goal of the business is in, and he's talking about the theme parks is to get people to enjoy it so much, uh, to love the experience, to come back and bring their friends, you know, yeah. which is, so he revolved the whole business around that. He was the one that initiated things like the, um, the loyalty program, uh, which they later got rid of after he died, which was a dumb mistake. But, um, you know, he, that was his philosophy was we, we need to create an experience and experience is the word. And, you know, I do talks all about just that topic alone experience and yeah. any business can create an experience, but they don't because they just, they 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 don't understand the importance of that. That's really what people want more than anything these days. You know, yeah. there was a day, there was a time when transactional selling, which is simply here, I have this product or service. Would you like it? Yes or no. If you do, here's the amount of money we exchange. That's transactional selling. Right. That's so antiquated. After transactional selling, we had service-oriented selling, which was more about, I realized the importance of good quality customer service. So few businesses even get that these days. But after the after um, service-oriented selling, we've now come into a, an age or a you know a period which Walt was doing way back in the fifties, which is experiential selling, and so that is like I said, that's what people want more than anything these days. Is how can you offer me something that where I'm going to have a great experience? And it doesn't matter what you sell; you can create an experience. You know, um, yeah. companies like um, do you remember? Uh, Blendtec did it well with their uh, Will It Blend um, uh, campaign, which ran for years. You know, they're selling yeah. blenders, the most boring, um, <laughs> yeah. the functional product on the planet. But they made it experiential with Will It Blend, and they were blending golf balls and iPhones, and it was really entertaining. You know, it was yeah. experiential. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I of course, we can all think about um, a variety of experiences we've had with with companies that were bad, mm. right? Oh, there's a sure. there's there's a local restaurant that my wife they actually have really good food, mm. but their 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 um, delivery mechanisms, aka their employees, mm. really don't care. I mean, do not give a crap about right. you as the customer and they they make it really clear that they don't care i mean it's no there's so no, they, not hiding it yeah so they oh. my, my so my wife reaches out to the owner 
and and he sends us twenty dollars in coupons and all and I, so we try him one more time and again same exact horrible experience and i said never again are we going back to that yeah. place ever and and walt again you know he knew that um there's a great story about when uh after disneyland first opened um there was a real mess with the parking situation at disneyland because uh walt had outsourced the parking to a security company mm. and what was happening was uh the guests as walt liked to call them were driving into disneyland of course no one had ever been to disneyland before so it was everyone's first time and right. their first experience was these security guards who were acting like police you know right go over there no over there i said over there you know all of this kind of thing and it was it was spoiling the the experience right at the outset so walt said he immediately realized the problem and he said from that day onwards he trained his own staff cast members as he liked to call them yeah. to operate the parking facility and he specifically said you are not to be um police or security your primary role this was his exact words your primary role is to help and welcome the guests so now when the, they came in welcome are you ready for a fun day yeah great okay right what we'd like you to do is see that guy over there waving head over to him and he's gonna show you where to park and you're gonna love the experience it's gonna be fantastic you know what a yeah. difference so that was you know again that was walt immediately on that realizing the importance of the right people in the equation We've been to Disney World many times, and, and the first time was the big trip. It was our first time, right? Taking yeah, our, our yeah, little girls. Been blown away, yeah. And, oh, it was, you know, we stayed at one of the Disney Resort hotels, and, and I, I the money I spent was crazy, but, oh, yeah. but <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But I cannot think of a, a bad moment or any kind I, there's no bad experience at disney that i can yeah recall. That's, that's good and that's how it should be it is getting harder for them uh, in uh, florida they have 60 or had i should say sixty-five thousand um employees or cast members wow so it's a colossal size business now um and one of the challenges at the moment that they're having is with masks uh, because they have a very strict mask mandate and um, they uh, have not been allowing guests to uh, take a mask off other than if they are stationary and uh, eating and drinking. Um, so that's caused a bit of friction with guests uh, and, you know, they're trying to figure out ways to make that easier. But, you know, it, it all, it all traces back to Walt in terms of their philosophy and you know, although although they do make mistakes from time to time, um, the the fact is they are so much better than the average company out there, and yeah. uh, that's why they're so well liked and respected. Yeah. So so you you went um, 
let's get back to you a little more. You went to what do they call it? High school in in yeah. the UK. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you went to yeah. high school. Um, you go twelve grades. Uh, we don't have grades, so I'm not sure oh. how they're great, but we leave, um, or at that time, it's changed since, but at that time we could leave school at 16, and oh. then you had the option of going to college and then um, possibly university. So mm-hmm. I think it, they've changed it now to 17 is the minimum, okay. um, five, five to 17, yeah. So, so you, you, um, you got into what? Well, you got out of school. You didn't go to college. Uh, what did you do? Afterwards, um, I got into video production, which led me on to a job um, at the BBC, funnily enough. And uh, I really enjoyed that as a cameraman. You know, I loved being in the entertainment industry. Uh, but again, you know, ultimately it wasn't very well paid um, based on, you know, the the skill that I had. Uh, that was sort of my, you know, my big hobby at the time, that and travel. So uh, after I left there, it really kind of led me into a world of discovering, um, looking at other entrepreneurs and thinking about ways that I could, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) thinking about ways that I could um, leverage uh, other skills. And um, uh, through a weird kind of set of events, I studied uh, a guy called Dan Kennedy, who um, is yeah. a very well-known marketer and author. Take take a quick, yeah, take a break. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, um, in doing that, I decided to um, create a little home study course <clears throat> in another topic that I was interested in, which was uh, card tricks and things like that. <clears throat> entertainment uh, magic wow. and um uh i created this course uh, and um the uh, i don't know if you <coughs> in the state <coughs> in the states um you're probably familiar with people like Penn and teller yeah <coughs> and um going back a bit you had um doug henning yeah, and David yeah. Copperfield. Yep, yep. And even before that, you had a guy called Mark Wilson, who was um, very big in American TV um, as a as a magician. Anyway, um, all of those people had their big break on a BBC show that had been running for fifteen years by a guy called Paul Daniels. And so any Brits watching this would certainly know Paul Daniels. He, his show was syndicated in 43 countries around the world, including, um, but, but actually not including America, which is why most Americans don't know him. But anyway, the point is I wrote to Paul and I never expected a response, but I, I sent him, I told him about my course and I said, you know, I would love to see if you could get an endorsement. And, you know, I was young and, you know, what did I know? I thought, well, (laughs) <laughs> you know, it may be he'll respond. Well, to my surprise, uh, shock, actually, he um, contacted me back. Remember, this is a huge superstar wow. TV guy, you know, equivalent to someone like a Johnny Carson or yeah. you know, um, Colbert or somewhere like that. And he said, um, come over for lunch and we'll discuss it. 
So he, has, he lived, yeah, he lived about 30 minutes away from me. So I couldn't believe it. I mean, I grew up watching this guy on TV. Wow. So I went over to his uh, place and uh, he was very gracious and him and his wife were there. And uh, anyway, we got chatting. And for whatever reason, um, we just, we hit it off. And he, he's, I think he, honestly, he, because uh, he was sort of in his, I guess, maybe late 50s, early 60s at this time. Um, I think he really resonated or saw in me entrepreneurial qualities that he had had younger in his career. Mm. And, um, you know, and I was pretty bold to ask him. I think he, you know, oh, he actually said, you know, people don't do that. So <laughs> anyway, um, to cut a long story short, uh, he, I went over to his house about two days a week. And we basically rewrote the course together. He never charged me anything for it. But after that, wow. we sold or I sold it to a big company in this in England. And um, um, I wanted to split the money with him. He didn't want any money, but I split it with him. And um, uh, we so by this time, we've been sort of, you know, to, together working on these this project and some other little things. Yeah. And uh um, I had got him, gotten him a few corporate gigs too. And, um, and then out of the blue one day, he sat me down and he said, uh, you know, I need to ask you something. And I was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> he said, my, he said, my long-term manager that I've had, like, you know, all my career, like the last 35 years, um, has, uh, um, suddenly, been diagnosed with cancer and you know he's really uh, he's only going to be with us a few more weeks and he said um oh geez he said uh and I, I was in my late 20s i think at this time um he said uh i would like you to consider becoming my manager and i was like oh my, you know you could have knocked me down <laughs> with it was the craziest thing you know bearing in mind i grew up watching this guy yeah and um so of course I said yes, and that led on to a few more years of incredible times. I um, toured him all over the world, and uh, you know I was sort of thrown in the deep end because I didn't really know what a manager was supposed to do, but I learned it very quick. And uh, we had a blast. We had such a great time, and um, eventually he retired. Um, sadly, he passed away a few years ago of. Mm. Uh, of a brain tumor very suddenly and tragically wow. but it was it was just the most incredible experience to um have that gift of working with him and um he really was a genius we resonated a lot in terms of um what marketing should be and so we you know we that was part of i think why we got on so well and um after uh he retired that was when i um, moved to the States and uh, decided, because I'd always loved the States, I'd done a lot of work over there, and um, that was a new kind of chapter, and that was, um, you know, that that was what sort of led me on to, well, what am I going to do now? And then I went into creating my uh, web TV show, which was originally called Help My Business Sucks to Help Entrepreneurs, and it was the first, actually, the first um, regular entertaining video show online yeah. and it went to number one on itunes and wow. uh 
you know, it was, as we said before, we talking before, you know, hundreds of hours of helpful content. And um, that was that was fun to do, too. So well, um, and, I, and, and, you know, I got I told you I got on your website last night and I signed up for um, the the newsletter thing and and which was as soon as I did it, I got some free PDF. I didn't even realize I was going to get <laughs> so seven ways to promote your business or something. That yeah. Was, market without money. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, and then I went, okay, here's a video. And I, I, I watched your latest, um, video and it's on helpmybusiness.com, which amazing that you own that domain. Um, but helpmybusiness.com, everybody should check it out when they get a minute. But the, so the, um, the first video I watched, like it was mind blowing. Like <laughs> There's so much valuable content. I'm like, if this first video I'm watching is this valuable, what are the rest of videos like? So then I told you I went on a YouTube search and couldn't find you. But, but you know, I, I love the fact that you have all your videos in one spot there on the website, too. I, yeah, they, they, I decided to make a library, uh, the vault, I call it, where there's yeah. hundreds of uh, all the past episodes rather than put them on YouTube yeah. um, as a way to sort of protect the value of uh, the content. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you for that. It's um, you know, I've always I've always believed in providing value first. Um, at a time when um a lot of people still use squeeze pages and when squeeze pages came out, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the squeeze pages yeah. where it's sort of like a gatekeeper where there's you're teased with content, but to get the content you have to put your email address in. I, I've always said from the start that I don't agree with that. And what I say is give content for free and by by providing good quality content if people like what you have to say and they say you know this guy or this girl has good content then they are going to want to give you their email address right yep. and so i don't believe in this sort of the the gatekeeper approach with a squeeze page of forcing people to give an email before you give any value well, and I, I totally agree with that. One of the things I've focused on is, is, you know, I do, I've done thousands of live streams and, yeah. and, and, and I always, my intent is to deliver some sort of value to oh, help somebody. Right. Yeah, and and so I, I love that. And I, I teach the same thing, like focus on being a valuable person in mm. life before you focus on how much money you can make from somebody. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so you, uh, and, and uh, I apologized. You said that this gentleman was that you were working with over there. You became as he was a magician. Yeah, he was, well, he was originally a magician. Then he became a, a well-known TV uh, presenter for other sort of genres. So okay. the, the closest equivalent would be someone like a Johnny Carson. Got it. Okay. Got it. Um, and so you come to the U.S. Did you move directly to L.A.? Is that where you went? Yeah, moved okay. to L.A. Um, I was married at the time, and uh, my wife had a, a cousin um, in Los Angeles, so we had a contact there. Okay. Um, but it was sort of thrown in the deep end, and um, like I said, I was sort of wondering, well, you know, what should I do? And then looking at my experience over the years and um, 
um, you know, talents, as it were, I realized, well, you know, something I could leverage is my knowledge of TV production. And um, so that, that's what I did. Because I saw, you know, the, at the time, uh, postage, um, thank you, Renee. Uh, at, at the time, videos online were like these little postage stamp size things, yeah. and they were very jerky. But but I could see where it was going. And so I thought, yeah. well, you know, it's my my chance to sort of get ahead of the curve here. Wow. And so you created this internet show and and you monetized it? Yeah. So um, at, at the start, you know, it was like crickets. Um, you know, there was <laughs> my, the only viewers were family and friends. Right. And uh, but but I was really um, there's a lesson in persistence there because I I sort of stood by what I was doing in terms of like, I felt good about what I was doing and I felt like there was value to it. Yeah. And uh, even though I wasn't a very good presenter back then, I've learned a lot since then uh, through doing like, you know, yourself over doing hundreds yeah. of episodes, yeah. you, you, you learn. Um, but I, I really wanted to persist with it. And so I did. And within about six months, it started to gain traction and um, you know, people started recommending it to their friends and so on and then like i said it it eventually went to number one in its category on itunes which was incredible above wow. harvard business review above advertising age and wow. um above um at one time even above ted talks believe it or not wow so, yeah um this was sort of back in 2009 2008 2009 um so yeah, it was it, it it was like I said, it was sort of the first of its kind, and so it was a lot easier to stand out from the crowd. What and was it about? What was the travel? The show was really um, an entertaining look at ways that any business could better do um, marketing. So you know, leveraging on my knowledge of Walt Disney. And uh, what I had been learning from people like Dan Kennedy, very unconventional ways uh, to to market and promote a business. And and so the the other thing that you know why I say entertaining is because um, again, most content online even today are, around this topic of business is very dry. You know, it's sort of like very professorish. And although the content may be good, people have a very short attention span hey grant yeah that's uh nice to see grant he was uh uh he ran my studio in um salt lake city <laughs> oh that's <laughs> awesome world. yeah nice to see you here grant wow um he was the the operator behind help my business for a while he so, said what, um, what is this big red button <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a inside joke um, yeah so, um um what was i saying uh about um, how how the show developed, yeah. So yeah. entertaining, yeah. So I felt yeah. like, well, you know, I my sort of humor is very dry British humor, and I felt like if I could bring some of that to the show, and even that's why I named it "Help My Business Sucks." <laughs> it, it obviously people could tell like this is not going to be corporate. It's not going to be dry, right? And um, just the name did attract a lot of people. Uh, I subsequently, after like 10 years or so, I changed it to just help my business because it had already got a big following. And 
the word sucks is very American, whereas the in audience was international. And uh. so I changed it for that reason. I felt like just help my business was more sort of um, appealing to an international audience. And I noticed that you have sponsors and. Oh, you were um, asking about the monetization. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got off track there. Sorry. So did um, I. <laughs> uh, uh, originally, I just self-funded it and um, kept it sort of. <laughs> John. Uh, I, I kept it going, you know, myself. But then as it started to gain traction, I was able to reach out to sponsors that companies that I knew initially uh, people like Infusionsoft were very supportive and uh, I was able to get um, one and then two and then three sponsors um, that that um, made it worthwhile. And then I also added my own courses into the mix. Um, so I never had any traditional ads in the show. I didn't, I didn't like that and I didn't think it was good for the viewers. But I was able to integrate sponsor mentions and then also my own products and courses and trainings and live events. So if if you were to, because um, marketing, it, you know, my wife was the global VP of marketing for two different companies that do oh. over five hundred million a year, and mm. and and she's very she can talk about marketing and metrics and and things that are. I'm like, could you please talk on my level? Like, can we get closer <laughs> to first first grade kind of yeah, <laughs> kindergarten? Yeah. And yeah. but she can talk on these high, super high levels, and yeah. and and she knows grassroots very very well. She or she, you know, she understands old the older style marketing, and and it's really only been in the last what what would you say eight to ten years maybe that the internet and the it's really the last five years that it's really started it's exploded yeah. Yeah. yeah um but so there's there's different facets of 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 marketing and and i would like to hear your opinion on mm. what what do you think that the average business you said in your in your book you talk about plumbers electricians i right. I, I just love that but like, what can the average business owner do right now to significantly shift their business? Maybe they're going through a tough time. What can yeah. they do to significantly impact their business right now? Money, get money in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned about the confusing language and so on because that's always been one of my pet peeves. Um, uh, the average business owner should be able to understand marketing easily and the concept. And, you know, I understand how corporate, you know, they, they develop a lot of acronyms and terms and, you know, yeah. tracking the KPIs and all that. And that's all well and good, but for the average guy on the street, uh, they're never going to get into that. Right. No. And I think no. a lot of, a lot of organizations do a disservice to marketing. In fact, um, on page 26 of the book, this is the official definition of marketing from the American Marketing Association. Right? <laughs> now, don't, don't fall asleep when I tell you this. It, they say marketing is the process of planning and executing the conception, pricing, promotion and distribution of ideas, goods and services to create exchanges that satisfy individual and organizational objectives. Yawn, right? <laughs> it's like... 
what? You know, <laughs> if you need to explain it, it's not a good definition. Right. By, uh, hey, Lynn, by, by contrast, here's what I boiled marketing down to. I say marketing is anything you or your employees do that affects other people's view of your business. That's it. Right. Amen. And it's it's deliberately very broad definition because marketing is that broad. And again, that comes from Disney. I learned that from Walt because, again, and th this is like, you know, he was so ahead of his time. He, he really was. He really was. He said that um, everyone in the business, regardless of their role, whether they were you know, cleaning the streets or serving in a counter or a manager or it doesn't matter what their role was. He said that everyone's job is to be a marketer for Walt Disney. <coughs> and what he, <coughs> what he, <coughs> excuse me, what he really meant was whatever you do is going to reflect on the company. So yep. if you bear that in mind, you're going to change the way that you interact with guests. Now, just to come back to your example or your question about, you know, the plumber and the chiropractor and, yeah, you know, the yeah. average small business owner these days. <clears throat> the the big issue that, that all of those businesses have, very true, George, yeah. Um, the big issue that all of those businesses have, it doesn't matter who it is, is that they primarily think of themselves in the function of their business. So a plumber thinks of themselves as someone who um, fixes leaks. Uh, a chiropractor thinks of themselves as someone who fixes people's uh, back pain. Right. Um, a hairdresser thinks of themselves as someone who cuts hair. But the first shift needs to be in their own thinking to I am actually primarily a marketer the function of the business is the thing that i do after i get the customer but if yeah. marketing doesn't exist if i don't get the customers nothing else matters and so it's not about the function it's about how well how good are you at getting customers right yeah yeah so that's the first shift in thinking that has to happen and then beyond that then we're into all the things that i talk about in the book um, and, and by the way, I wrote this book because there wasn't another book about Disney that specifically geared the lessons for small business owners. That's why I wrote it. Well, and I uh, think, you know, you, you mentioned in the book, um, there's things I didn't know. Number one, I don't know why, but I'm never going to forget that July 7th of 1955 was the day. Yeah, and, and 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 I don't know why I can't. My birthday is July seventeenth. Maybe that's oh, interesting. But but so so and not nineteen fifty five. <laughs> but you know, I I I I think that you know you talk a lot about how how Walt cre like he was turned down by over a hundred bankers. Yeah, he was to to build Disneyland in, right. in California, and and then then he went to you. You said that he he ended up 
partnering with ABC to to create yeah, brilliant, a brilliant um, decision on his part. So yeah. yeah, no no one understood the concept. Um, they just didn't get it. They called <clears> him <throat> crazy. Yeah, every bank said no. People aren't going to want to do that. Um, <laughs> and so he he believed in his idea so much that first of all he um sold his life insurance uh, policy um he sold his house um <laughs> and uh to to basically form one part of the funding and then very creatively and and really genius actually he um approached um abc who hadn't had a hit tv show for years and needed one of course of course everybody knew walt because he'd had um the movie and animation hits at that time but okay. oh sorry the animation uh uh you know mickey mouse was very popular yeah so it wasn't yeah. that people didn't know walt they they just knew him for a different industry which was the movies right so right. walt approached abc and said um i will give you a hit tv show called um i think uh, originally it was actually i forget the name of the original show grant might remember um but he said i'll give you a hit tv show that i'll produce and in return you finance i think it was about half of the money for disney maybe more maybe like two-thirds wow and so they said yeah that sounds like a great deal and it was a lot of money and the genius in this was the the show, which was a weekly show, um, which aired every week lead in a year up to the opening of Disneyland, was basically, hey, Jamie, good to see you, was essentially an, a, an hour-long wonderful world of Disney. Thank yeah. you, Mark. I yeah. figured you would know. It was an hour-long commercial, <laughs> infomercial for Disneyland, because every week what was – was basically saying, hey, guess what we're planning for this at the moment? Here's our ideas for a jungle cruise. And we're going to have, you know, these little boats that you sail on. And, and this is how we're and this is how we're developing it and so on. <clears throat> and so what happened was not only did he get the money, but by the time the opening day came around, everybody in the country knew about Disneyland and everybody in the country wanted to go to Disneyland. It was absolutely brilliant you said that the in the book you said there were over seven miles of of traffic backed up to get yeah. into disneyland that's right and and over 50 percent of the united states watched it live on television that's right and interestingly too crazy. The, the the visitors were 99 percent from california um in wow. fact for for decades the vast majority of visitors were from um, California. Wow. Um, and so that's what led Walt to say, well, hang on a minute. If we're only serving people from California, <laughs> like, shouldn't we be doing this on the East Coast? And ironically, <clears throat> all the banks turned him down again. What? Yeah, they did. Because oh this is what they said. They said, <laughs> East Coast people are different. They're not... <laughs> into entertainment like Californians are. They they actually said that. And so wow. Walt was incredibly frustrated at this. Uh, but then the opportunity came up to test the theory because in 
I think it was 1969, I forget the actual year, you might remember, was the World's Fair in, in New, New York. York. Yeah. Or 65, was it? I don't, I don't. I forget. Anyway, whenever it was, yeah. um, that proved to be the perfect opportunity to test the theory because um, I think it was three or four companies asked uh, Disney to create rides for them. So they were basically partnered. Ironically, one of the companies wants Monsanto. We don't talk about that now, but <laughs> another one was Coca-Cola. I think another one was Ford. But Walt developed these rides and attractions for all these companies. And of course, people absolutely loved them. So, okay, I didn't, you say in the book, I didn't know that's how he tested it. You say in the book that he used the World's Fair as his testing ground. Yeah. I didn't realize it. Yeah, was so that's that. what happened. And then it was so it was so successful and people loved it so much. Then he, he went back to the bankers and they were like, Yeah, okay, that sounds like a good idea then. <laughs> really dumb. And and I've I've read other stories of, of people saying, you know, hey, look, this you're you're building this basically in swampland, not a good idea, yeah, <laughs> right? right. And he's yeah. like, no, and and so which uh, again, amazing. And and applying that to, I think that that you know, if we step back and look at business as a whole, like if you want to be a an internet marketer, or mm -hmm. and you want to learn how to do that, or you want to be a, I've done web development for twenty seven years, mm -hmm. or or you want to be in video, whatever it is, you want to own your own business. There yeah. are going to be people that say you're a whack job. Oh, for sure. You, you have to expect <laughs> it. Um, yeah. fact, my, one of my mentors, Dan Kennedy, says, and I love this quote, which is why I always attribute it to him. He says, if you haven't offended a bunch of people by midday, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That is it's, awesome. it's true, you know, it, um, it's, you know, not not to get political because uh, I stay out of that. But it's yeah. one of the reasons why Trump was successful. He knew how to be controversial. He, that that divisiveness actually brought people into the discussion and made people like, you know, that much more um, passionate about yeah. topics. Whereas so many politicians over the years, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, I don't really care, you know, one way or the other. Trump yeah. didn't do that. By being divisive, he was very strategic about that. Love him or hate him. It yep. was a strategy. <clears throat> it's the same with Grant Cardone. Grant, yes. Grant, I had Grant on a live stream a couple months ago, the day after he finished filming Undercover Billionaire, uh, yeah, he yeah. got on live with me and he said on there, to your point, <clears throat> he said, um, he said, Discovery Channel asked me, hey, Grant, do you think you're following, you have big enough following to make mm -hmm. this a hit? Yeah. And he goes, my, my followers aren't what's going to make this a hit. My haters are what's going to make my haters are going to blow this thing through the freaking yeah. roof. That's right? a very insightful comment, actually. It is. Yeah. It is. And he's right. You know, it's, it's it's about it's about, you know, so if if but if you're a if you're a, a plumber, um, the last thing you want to do, I, I would think, is is go out and create a bunch of controversy. No, but, but, but it I mean, might get your attention. There, there are ways to to go about it. It's it's not about um, needlessly offending people. It's it's really about 
finding the people who it's it's really about being polarizing. That's the best way of saying it is yeah. uh, find the people that resonate with you and your way of doing business. And inherently that's going to polarize the others. And if they, you know, attack you or, you know, make fun of you or whatever, um, that's okay. You know, we, we all remember uh, people like um, the, remember the, the guy, he was on TV for years in the States who did these infomercials with the question marks on his suit, you know, about how, how the government's uh, got all these grants for you and so on. Well, yeah. you know, the fact is he was very polarizing. He wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but for those that really resonated with him, he was extremely memorable. And, yeah. and most businesses, what they tend to do these days is they tend to copy each other. So in other words, the plumber, you know, goes to, um, they go on, um, you know, let's say, you know, the yellow pages, for example, they look at what everybody else is, how they're doing their ads. And they just put an ad that's basically the same. What they should be yeah. doing is rocking the boat and do something that's drastically different. Like, for example, you know, if if most company or the majority of plumbers are saying call out charges, $65 or whatever, I as a plumber would be the first one to say free call out and i would find some other ways to make up that revenue in the business creatively so yeah. where where people are zigging i always zag and that's really the you know the the um the principle of how to stand out from the crowd in any business the the problem is most people are choosing either unwittingly or even consciously sometimes to just blend in with everybody else. And so it's no wonder that they're not getting traction. Yeah. What's the, uh, well, that you may have just answered it, but what, what's the number one biggest mistake you see businesses making when it comes to um, gaining new customers? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I've covered a lot of different things, but I don't think there's one single biggest mistake, but another mm -hmm. one, um, that I touched on earlier, which I believe passionately in, is in providing value to customers. And what I mean by that is um, so many businesses, like we said, they perform a service or they sell a product and then you never hear from them again, which is so dumb. And, and the businesses assume to themselves, well, if the person wants and to place another order, they know where to find me. But the reality is the customer doesn't. In our busy lives, it's so easy for us to forget who we did business with. Like, you know, if someone came out to, to mend um, a washing machine or something like that, you know, a year ago, and you have another breakdown, are you going to remember the name of the company that you used? You know, it, it's crazy to, to think yeah. that you would remember. However, no. let's say that after he came out, you know, let's say Bob the plumber, he Bob came out and did the service, did a nice job, very efficient and so on. And, and Bob says, hey, <coughs> um, I'd love to continue to provide you with uh, some value and some tips on how to get the most out of this appliance and, you know, it'll save you more call-out repairs. Yeah. Uh, is it all right if I do that and you give him your email address? Imagine if Bob once a week sends you tips on anything related to running a household doesn't have to be plumbing related but right, you know, right. here's, a, 
here's a way I discovered that you can save uh, $50 on your internet bill, right? And we've done this and it's great. And, you know, I thought you might like it too, right? He's just, Bob's just provided you value. Are you going to remember value. Bob? He signs off with the name of his company. Yep. He didn't even mention plumbing, but you see it from Bob the plumber, right? Yep. Um, two weeks later, imagine if your next door neighbor says, hey, uh, we've got a leak. Do you know a plumber? Who are you going to instantly recall to yeah. mind? Bob You're the right. plumber, right? Because right. he's providing you with value. And then six months later, you spring a leak. You're going to remember Bob the plumber. He's because he's providing value. And it's so easy to do this. It is. But no one does it. It's crazy, man. You're right. You're right. Don asked a question earlier. He'd love to hear your thoughts on yeah. um, COVID lack of customer service and experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he means um, specifically with Disney or another company. I don't know if he could clarify. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure what, what he meant. Um, if, Don's, if Don's still on. I, did, I noticed the question uh, pop up, but I didn't get a chance to read it all. So, um, and, 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 you know, you're right. And, and I, I think that it's, it's really easy and I'm going to just be transparent. It's really easy as a business owner when, when you see, you know, sales on a decline, mm -hmm. um, and, and, if, and you can't peg exactly why, um, well, then all of a sudden your mind becomes obsessed with new customer acquisition. Right. right. And, and it's, I think it's just a natural occurrence for most people, right? Like, okay, well, we got to get sales yeah. back up to where they there's were. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with it in itself, of course. You know, every business right. should have strategies in place for acquiring new customers. Sure. The, the big chat or the big um, area where they're losing out is in the fact that they can make a lot more money by taking care of existing sure. customers. When I say take care yeah. of, it's a whole bunch of things that they need to be doing that are very easy to implement, very easy to automate. Um, and yeah. so, okay, George said, good question. Lots of companies blaming COVID. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. So um, slow, poor, unfriendly. So yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine, George. Um, and I'm not sure if this was what Don mentioned, but um, it, so here we are, we're, we're over a year into COVID. Yeah. And the fact is most big companies are continuing to blame COVID for their, first of all, lack of responsiveness when you call them. You know, if you call the airlines, if you call the utility companies, basically everyone's saying, hold times are longer due to the situation with COVID, right? Okay, I get that within the first few weeks of February 2020. But <laughs> if you haven't been able to make adjustments in your business within a month or two, something's seriously wrong. And there is absolutely no excuse for using that as an excuse now. It's, it's, it drives yeah. me crazy. So that's that. I, I, and yeah. there's so many of those automated messages oh, now. Oh my God. It's a joke. And then, it, you know, it when is. it comes to um, airlines, because I travel a lot. And so, you know, I've been um, in the last few months, I've been on 
British Airways, Delta, United, American, I mean, all the majors. And they're, they're all doing the same thing. So they've all withdrawn their um, onboard service. So even uh, when I fly first class, when you used to get a meal and when you used to get uh, drinks, all you get now is a little bottle of water and maybe, if you're lucky, a cookie, right? And so wow. the airlines are blaming that on safety. <laughs> They're saying, and you, that's a bunch of crap. Of course it is. They're saying to protect you and protect your safety, <laughs> we're taking I these know. measures. And it's, it drives me crazy because, of course, that's ridiculous. And, and this, as proof of that, I was flying um, both United and Delta internationally. Yeah. And both airlines didn't have any um, soda or soft drinks on board. And I'm, I said, like, you know, can I get a, I forget what I said, you know, apple juice or something. And they said, I'm really sorry, but we have, we have beer, cans of beer, but due to safety, we're not serving soft drinks. And I was like, is it, does a can of beer somehow protect you from COVID <laughs> more than a can of Coke? I, it, it's ridiculous. And the other thing that, that has come up, and this has oh been in the God. news, that it's is been so related to airlines, which I closely follow, and it's, it, it is laughable, is that oh. a guy, uh, this was a week or two ago, a guy kick, was kicked off a plane in Salt Lake City, this was on Delta, um, because he complained to a flight attendant and he didn't do it in a nasty way. He recorded it and he said, look, he said, um, all of the passengers, and he said, I don't know if you can see what's going on, but all of the passengers, we're all bunched up in the back of the aircraft. Like you've literally sat all of the passengers together in one space. And he said, I, because of COVID, can we spread out? And the flight attendant said no. And he challenged her on this. And he said, well, why? That doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> and she said, because the seats at the front, even though they're, they're economy seats too, they're classified as premium seats because they're at the front of the aircraft. And so he said, well, you know, that's ridiculous. Anyway, she didn't like his questioning her and she ordered him off the plane. They didn't allow him oh. back on. He had to take the train back from Salt Lake to um, Portland, Oregon. He's probably still on the train now. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I just think that is absolutely ludicrous because it's, it is proof. And other airlines have done this too. Spirit Airlines, they've all done it. Oh yeah. Is, I've seen them. It is proof that they prioritize profits over safety because they're saying in one breath that they care about safety, they care about social distancing and so on. But they're proving otherwise because they're not allowing passengers to spread out. That, has, that exact situation has happened to me twice on two oh different airlines where they sat, as you know, three times where they yeah. sat all of us together, bunched up. And it's like, well, you you say you you care about COVID and social distancing, but look it's, at what you're it's, doing. It's, it's asinine, and, and and I think you know, uh, 
we could go we could go into a, a deep dark rabbit hole on this one and and i'd love to but i i think that you know i it's like um um i'm friends with john schneider i met through glenn morshauer oh, yeah. um who was Bo duke on the dukes of hazard yeah. right? and, and, and 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 so john posted where he was on a flight and and they wouldn't um, they wouldn't serve him. He wasn't in first class on this particular yeah, flight. Yeah. He couldn't get for, yeah. and, and so they wouldn't serve him liquor, a little bottle of liquor. They said you have to be in first class to be, he's like, what the, I mean, he posted this. Yeah. So I'm yeah. speaking in Dallas <laughs> next week. And guess what? I'm not doing. I'm not flying there. I'm yeah. driving. It's a two day uh, drive. I don't care. It's it's outrageous, you know. One of the one of the perks that United used to give um, their premium frequent flyers was um, if you were seated in economy, if you couldn't get a seat in first class, they would give you one of their snack boxes and any alcohol that you wanted, like for yeah. free, complimentary. Yeah. They've taken that away. It's insane, so man. Anything that affects the passengers' good experience, they've removed it. They just don't get it. Well, and I think, I think, and, and I, I'm sure you could write an entire other book on this and I might even be able to contribute to it. But I think that, that, you know, we're, we're going to see, it's going to happen. We're going to see a global reset of these giant corporations that stop yeah, giving a so. crap. I, I think, think there's going to be a, a there's going to be a shakeup. Absolutely. absolutely. I, you can't you can't keep treating customers like crap and stay in business. It's not sustainable. No. I I I completely agree. You know, it's I get it that times are hard. I get it that they're having to tighten the purse strings. But don't do it with the things that affect the customer experience. Take away your coffee and cookies yes. in the office, you know. Do make sacrifices yourself. The problem is that throughout this, and you know, United just came under fire this week for this. They're giving executives huge bonuses. It's so inappropriate to do that right now. They're laying off thousands of staff, giving the top dogs huge bonuses. It's it's so bad. Yeah. You know, no uh, wonder I'm people uh, uh acting against this you know it's 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 ludicrous you said didn't who was it you that brought this up during the mastermind this this quote right here somebody, uh, somebody it wasn't me but yeah it's a good one 19 right. of 20 people have no idea why they wake up and put their boots on to go to work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very true yeah thanks for sharing so that. true Hey, listen, everybody go to and 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 I was going to send you to Amazon, but I Andrew has a much better idea and there's a reason. If you go to the waltdisneybook.com and get a copy of this book from there, it's still through Amazon though, right? Yeah, well, there's links to the various places that sell it. So yeah. Uh, don't be put off by Amazon, but the only reason I mentioned the waltdisneybook.com is if you um grab the book using that link or you go back or or just go to amazon and buy the book if you then go back to the waltdisneybook.com i'll send you the audible version for free that's amazing and that's me narrating it that's amazing you can understand a british accent 
Hey, you know, I, I, I sometimes I struggle with understanding. Yours is not. You, you've, I, I struggle with understanding some <laughs> British accents. There's a, a huge, uh, diverse array of. Um, uh, for a small country, it has an astonishing number of accents. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you've you've become a little more Americanized, maybe. I I, I certainly have over the years. Yeah. 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 Well, Andrew, I am so grateful that you. Um, you took the time and 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 invested in 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 everybody. Where's the best place for everyone to follow you on social media? Um, uh, you know, I'm not huge on social media, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am on Facebook. You know, you can search me, Andrew Locke, not to be confused with the Australian mountain climber. Um, we we have a constant uh, competition as to who can, uh, you know, get the traffic. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. yeah, other other than uh, Facebook, I am on Facebook. Um, uh, you can go to uh, helpmybusiness.com. Uh, you can go to the thewaltdisneybook.com uh, if you'd like me to uh, train your organization about using Disney, implementing Disney principles. You can go to andrewlock.com uh, where I, I uh, have a little uh, bit of information about my speaking. And What's the, and we bought a we bought one of your courses. What is the course we bought? Jill bought yeah, that's it. a topic, a whole different topic. Um, it's all about customer retention, and um, that's what we're talking uh, about. Yeah, that's another <laughs> that's another uh, yeah. topic we could deep dive into. But um, yeah. one that yeah. I'm very passionate about is all the different ways to to um, keep customers coming back. So yeah, AndrewLock.com. Thank you, Jill. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got help my business. I'm telling you, like, if you guys don't go, go over to helpmybusiness.com, enter your name and email address. You get a, I didn't even know I was getting a free PDF from that dude. So that was, that was like, yeah, thanks. So to clarify, um, help my business, uh, forwards you now to the new brand, which is Sam, which stands for sales, advertising, and marketing. That's uh, an event that I um, have put on a few times, uh, the sort of TED-style short talks. Uh, I love the logo, by the way. I love the logo. It's really, really creative. So, so what? um, What about anybody watching that would want to hire you to speak? Are you doing live speaking? Yeah, I I um, speak a lot about. Marketing, of course, and specifically yeah. how to adapt Walt Disney's principles for any organization. Um, I tailor presentations, whether it's on Zoom um, or live in person. I'm happy yeah. to do that, too. Okay. And um, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I make it very entertaining and um, fun to learn these things. And, you know, I always uh, enjoy sharing and presenting around these topics. So, yeah, I talk about that. And yeah. um talk about membership sites. I talk about customer retention, um, all all kinds of things. Awesome. I am so grateful you came on today. Thank you so much. I'm going to, I want to respect your time. I appreciate you coming on. So, um, anybody watching, make sure you go check out everything Andrew is doing. If you own a business and you're not studying, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't get passionate about recommending books. This one, I'm telling you, I could, I, I can't wait to start reading it again today. So, awesome. Andrew, thank you, man. You're amazing. Yeah, hang, hang pleasure. with me. 
I'm going to end this, but hang with me if you would. And say hi to our mutual friend, Glenn. He was one of the speakers at uh, a couple of the Sam events. Yeah. I, yeah, Glenn. I don't know if Glenn's watching or not, but um, so that has been sure great. I'm talking to him later. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Absolutely. My pleasure. We'll see you guys later. Have a great day. Bye-bye.